Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. I'm Sam Legasic. And I'm Dreadful Dan Gallagher. And we're two old buddies that have lived our life at the edge of the mainstream. So come join us where things are a little... odd. This is the... This earth of yours will be reduced to a burned-out cinder. Hi everyone, welcome to Oddcast Movies, Music and Gaming. It's me, Sam. How, how are you doing? Um, um, I'm pretty good. And here with me... <laughs> It's dreadful Dan G. Hi, Dan. Hi. Hi, Sam. And hi, Odd Squad. Hope you all had a very happy Halloween. Yes. I, I also hope you had a happy Halloween. And I hope you had a happy Halloween listening to us talking about Halloween. Yeah. Um, Dan, uh, no, what, are we, what are we doing today, just out of interest? What are we talking about today? Guess what? We loved Halloween so much that we just thought, to hell with it. Let's do Halloween 2. And we said, no, 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 way too obvious. This is the uh, odd cast here. So we went to Halloween 3. So today, nice little delve into a cinematic classic, Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. Let's have a listen. Listen, he just walked up out of the rain. I swear to God, that's all it was to him. Did my father say anything to you the night he died? I don't know. Your father came into the hospital. He, I thought he was crazy out of his mind. He's hanging onto a Halloween mask. He wouldn't let it go. And what he said was, they're going to kill us. All of us. And in a little while, he was dead. I don't know what the hell is going on. I've been doing some detective work. I think my father ran into trouble somewhere between here and Santa Mira. 
Ben Amira founded in 1887, Conor Cochran converted it into a toy factory. Giving away a bit too much of the story there. <laughs> high drama, though. High drama. Um, top line, I think, what people need to know here is Halloween 3 bears no direct relation to the characters or events of any of the other Halloween movies. Um, it's a complete standalone film. Uh, that's the reason why we felt we could do this out of sequence, I think. Um, well, also, we're, being the odd cast, we only do odd numbers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so if this goes well well we're gonna do halloween five right yeah. <laughs> um exactly. just your initial thoughts did you like the film so i had seen it years and years and years and years ago and i um i remember liking it more then than i did this time around actually um i think it was I enjoyed the kind of stupid silliness of it um, back then. And I still kind of enjoy that now. Yeah. But as I was watching it, I was like, like I'm asking questions I didn't ask when I was younger. Like, what's the point? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> and things like that. Like I kind of, I must've given it a very wide berth um, when I was younger. But yeah, as I was sitting, I think especially since we've just seen Halloween um, and also Halloween too as well. Um, it's like, okay, cool. Uh, you know, what's, I don't know, like I was kind of excited, I think, like watching this again and thinking, yeah, I remember this being all right, actually. Like, uh, and I like, you know, kind of standalone things and whatever. But um, yeah, I remember this time watching it and just being, it looks like cheap to me as well. Um, okay. I think it's, it's part of it. Some of the bits um, look all right, but generally speaking, like, I don't know. It looks like it just looks like such a fucking B movie, but it but it wasn't really. Like they still spent some money on it. Um and also I just realized like first time around, the hero I know we'll get onto this. Um the hero I was kind of like backing, but um this time I was just like, God, he's just so nothing. (laughs) (laughs) The whole thing is just nothing. And I just kept and I also remember thinking, just hurry up and get to the like Cochrane guy, the bad guy. And he doesn't really come in till like halfway through the movie or something. And in my head, he was throughout the whole thing. Um, right. I don't know. So it's things like that. So, um, okay. yeah, it's had a bit of a cult following though, right? Like people still rate it. What, I mean, what do you think of it? I really enjoyed it. I, I had seen it. I, I'd forgotten I'd seen it, but it must be a long time ago because I only got a very vague recollection. Um, I think I enjoyed some of the kind of like motifs and visuals. Um, I like that it doesn't try to do another slasher. This is kind of like more of a, mm. you know, rather than scary, it's kind of creepy. Um, it's got a bit more of a kind of um, almost like a sci-fi angle going on. Oh, yeah, very much so, yeah. And I suppose in that regard, yeah, if you kind of view it as a B-movie um, and forget it's got the title Halloween 3, um, you can kind of enjoy it as a bit of a campy, bonkers kind of sci-fi mishmash a bit mm. like a film like um like Fanta- um, phantasm mm-hmm. things like that where it's just like loads of bonkers stuff happening and some zany characters although like you say the kind of like protagonists are a bit drab um a bit lame. yeah but yeah i i overall i enjoyed it i thought it was quite good fun um but yeah when you kind of look at kind of 
plot holes and motivations and things. Like you said, there's a bit of a kind of just why mm. <laughs> why is any of this happening? Was, why should I care? Yeah, and the, yeah, exactly. I know I know we're going to it, but like there was things that happened, like when he throws all the pins, all the labels down <clears throat> um into like that shitty like science thing. <laughs> And I remember, like, at first I just kind of went with it. And then as I, I totally forgot about it. And as I was watching, I was going, this is the worst plan. Like, what, how did he know that would even work or happen? You know what I mean? There's just, it's just weird decisions. And, um, and I also, um, in my head, the first time I watched it, um, at the end with the, cause the girlfriend attacks him. Um, yeah. I had it, I remember it being freakier this time. I was laughing the whole time because it just, it was like, you know, when like Sideshow Bob, <laughs> the Simpsons reference, steps on those rakes or whatever. Yeah. And every, it, it felt like that, but with Pong. like, uh, Pong. Yeah, exactly. Uh. <laughs> with him, like, it was like everywhere he turned, it was like, oh, I'm getting attacked again. And it happened like, <laughs> it happened. I was like, because th- at one point, uh, we're going, we're going to it, we're going to go to it. But like at one point, I was um, thinking, it can't happen again. It can't seriously happen again. And then like it happened again. I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Um, this is so stupid. Yeah. Um, I think but- part of the problem is that probably since the first time I, f- I saw the film, I've been exposed to so many other sci-fi horror B-movies and there's just too many tropes in here that are mm. recognisable. So the impact's diminished, but even so, like I said, I thought it was a fun kind of, hodgepodge of uh sci-fi and horror yeah. stuff yeah i agree it's, it's there's a lot of different things in there a bit too much some may say um so yeah take, talk, talk me through it yeah, yeah do it i want to hear i want to hear more about this film i know bits and pieces actually we did touch a bit on it on uh, the first halloween um the fact that it was what's his name tommy lee williams uh is that his name who directed it tommy um, lee wallace wallace sorry who that's right. And he was the art director for Halloween. Um, this yeah. is his feature. This is his first one, I think. Yeah. So and how then, cool is that? Mm. I think that's great. He was obviously like an underling under the Carpenter banner yeah. of success. And he's been given mm. an opportunity here to... Take the reins. Take the reins, exactly. So, I mean, just first off, the film came out 22nd of October, 1982. Um not As that long say, after two then. When was two? Two was two was eighty maybe two was eighty one. Um Yeah. Yeah, so it's only yeah. two years really. It's not not crazy amount of time. So this Those was the beginning of I suppose thinking off the success of two that they could actually build this into a long term franchise. Um so it's produced again by Deborah Hill and John Carpenter. Mm. Um so the concept here I think they felt they'd done everything they could do with the Jason. uh, Sorry. Fucking hell. Yeah. (laughs) Done everything they could do with Jason. He was the runner. Um, There's still plenty of of traction for Jason. Plenty (laughs) of gas in the tank. Fucking hell. Don't. That's a whole other. How how much further can he go? He's gone through space. Time. (laughs) It's not going to be time traveling. Space Uh, and time. Um. Yeah, so they wanted to move on from Michael, that story. And they had the idea that they could build Halloween into a regular kind of like annual movie-going event, I suppose, 
you think it's Halloween, I'm going to go and see a Halloween film mm. and it's going to explore different aspects of the season. So I thought mm. that was quite a cool concept, yeah, the idea cool they build that as like a kind of brand almost and, you know, become like maybe a tradition every year. You think it's Halloween, going to go to the cinema and see the new Halloween film and you get a different Certainly. spook every year. Be part of the Halloween cinematic universe, you know, that's what everyone's <laughs> trying to do now. Uh, unfortunately, Perfect. didn't come to pass because the film it did not um, do as well as was hoped. Um, apparently, the budget was two point five million dollars, okay. um, and it did fourteen point nice, nice four at the box office. Okay, so it's still a success in that right? Yeah. commercial success in a way. Not as as we were saying, like the first Halloween was um, made for like what was it three hundred thousand, and it made seventy million. Seventy, wow! Um, so it's the biggest um, until Blair Witch. It was the biggest, uh, most profitable independent film. Um, so I imagine if they've gone from 70, I don't know how much Halloween 2 took, and it's kind of dropped to 14.4. Still a decent chunk of uh, chunk of change, but I imagine they're probably thinking they wanted um, a bit more. I mean, it'd be dropped. okay if it was an indie, right? But this was the, the Laurentis company, I think. Mm. So apparently as well, so that's why Tommy Lee Wallace actually gets the, the credit for writing the script. Apparently, initially, they approached uh, Patrick Neal. Um, I don't know if that's a name that you're familiar with. Um, An author, I'm guessing? Yeah, well, kind of an author. He, yeah, I suppose so. He wrote, um, not Patrick Neal, apologies, Nigel Neal. I don't know. No, I don't know. He's a Brit. He he wrote the Quatermass stuff. Have you ever seen the Quatermass films? Yes. Yes, well, I've only seen them. I've only seen one of them. Um, Which the one? one? Where it's, uh, I think it's literally the Quartermass Experiment or whatever. The one where they find first they one. dug out something. Is that the first one? Okay, that's the only one I've seen. The guy's that's got good. a gnarly arm. Remember yeah, that? I can't remember. <laughs> I don't remember an arm. I just um, remember it's a lot of talking, and it's all like underneath a theatre or something in the middle of London. I don't know. Maybe oh, like towards the, the end. Towards the end, they chase this thing to a church, uh, a big glob, and zap it. Anyway, it's considered a bit Sorry, of a classic yeah. British sci-fi, um, so he's respected. He was approached to write the script for this film. Uh, he did uh, turn in a script, which he said was kind of like, yeah, a bit more sci-fi angled um, and, and low on blood and guts and gore. Uh, apparently... Uh, Dino De Laurentiis said, we need more gore. Okay. So at that point, it went to Tommy Lee Wallace to rewrite the script, basically. Right. Um, and Neil, apparently, uh, just said, take my name off it. Yeah, okay. Classic. So, Do you want anything to do with it? Yeah, Fair it'd be off. interesting to know how much of the original script survives in what we saw. Because, mm. like I said, there is that kind of uh, a bit of a sci-fi angle, although it's kind of also um, some kind of like ghost and goblin kind of stuff going on as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've no idea. Yeah, if it's a guy who did court mess stuff, 
um, then I can imagine, yeah, it's more about tone and being creepy, which I think still kind of comes, I mean, I'm imagining that there, you know, there must have been elements of the main plot was probably similar to what actually happened. And it does feel like creepy. It's still like a creepy tone about it. Yeah. Um, which I quite like. So I imagine that's probably what he brought to the table. Apparently he said the main story had to do with deception, psychological shocks rather than physical ones. Okay. So sure. that was the original intent. Uh, I think some of that survived. But uh, mm. yeah, so Tommy Lee Wallace, basically, that's how he got his uh, sole writer's credit. Um, the masks were produced by... Um, Don Post, which so, have you ever heard of this company? No, I think they must be Don like Post. Big, yeah, Don <laughs> like Post, Mafia Don. Okay, <laughs> yeah, Don Post. You make these masks. That's uh, it's probably probably can't talk like that. No, I don't know. That's my <laughs> Italian accent, which is probably too um, stereotypical. I should have brought that out on the uh, Sopranos episode. Um, That's true. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they're apparently like a big American company. I think they produced the first kind of like uh, like mass produced latex rubber masks for Halloween. Right. So, so the actual mask company. Yeah. So right. the the Michael Myers mask that, as we discussed, was based on a William Shatner. That William Shatner mask was produced by Don Post Company. Oh, that's so weird. Well, it's probably not weird. They've done it on purpose, but. To keep that continuity for absolutely no real reason. Okay. Well, I assume they were the biggest and probably like the best name in the biz. So they approached them to say, you know, we want we want three creepy masks for this film um, that can be iconic. And they said, obviously, they didn't have that big a budget. So I think what they did was they gave them a bit of the merchandising rights. So Don Post right. company were like yeah, we could see this could become a cult item or maybe people want to buy the masks to like wear at screenings mm. and things like this. Um, I had a little look, I was curious. I thought, God, I bet if anyone's got any of those, apparently they retailed initially for $25 a piece, which is quite expensive, I think, in 1982. Yeah, back then as well, yeah. It's expensive um, now. I looked on eBay. I can't find any original 80s ones, but someone's got a full set of Don Post 2012 reproductions and they want a $1,000. <laughs> Fuck off. That's mad. Okay. Good on them. If you can get it, why not? Um, But I did think, like I said, I like kind of some of the motifs of this film and like some of the aesthetic. And I thought that the design of these masks was really cool. What did you think about them? Good masks. Yeah. I liked them. Yeah. I remember thinking, because what was it? It was obviously the pumpkin one. It was some kind of like zombie monster. It's like a witch. Oh, it's a witch thing. What was the other one? It's a bit witch. Uh, Skull. Oh yeah, skull, of course. Um, I thought they looked really good, actually. I remember looking at it going, to be honest, weirdly, the pumpkin one is the worst one. Um, I'd probably say it's the most most boring, but it definitely feels like it feels like <laughs> as they're looking and playing with it, I'm like, that looks like a high quality mask. Um <laughs> Hmm, you know, I do like a good high quality mask. Yeah, but you can like you can see there's a texture to it, which I thought was pretty cool. Um it's yeah. ironic that you say that's the worst because that was the only one they made specially okay. commissioned right. for this film. The other two were just adaptions of regular masks that they already uh, produced. Already had. Okay, fine. Well, all right. Never mind. 
but obviously the masks are absolutely central to the story and the and the concept here. So I think mm. getting them right, so having them look cool, is, was good. yeah. Sorry, it's all right. He passed away. Did it done? Oh, okay, it's dead. He won't hear what you've got to say. Disparage his mask. <laughs> yeah, uh, he's got snakes coming out of his mouth now. Cool. The music, as usual, Alan Howarth with John Carpenter. Um, mm. Apparently, they said they wanted to make it like even more synth-driven than the previous uh, two Halloween films. Well, they did that success there. I quite. What did you think of the music? I liked it, and I've actually been listening to the soundtrack on Spotify today, just in oh, the background really? while I was working. Yeah, it was. Um, I remember really liking it uh, first time around because I remember it being um, quite. It's quite droney, as in, but there's always like some kind of like wee or whatever, like over the whole thing. Um, by the end, when I was watching, I think that whole final sequence of when he's like, you know, about to set fire to the thing and all that, I was like, this is droning on for a bit too long. And it kind of grated a little bit by that point, which yes. annoyed me slightly. Um, but I was thinking, it reminded me of the bit, and it's one of my favorite bits actually in. Um, in the movies but there's a bit in Interstellar which is done by Hans Zimmer where like there's a lot of space stuff and there's a lot of these like it's the same it's just these like long synth kind of chords that are kind of elongating they kind of get loud and maybe some bits are added to it or whatever um, and I was listening going it kind of feels like that on a much smaller less epic scale like it feels like it's kind of building and building and and the tension or whatever and all this stuff um and it's weirdly quite um nice to listen to i guess and it's also yeah. like it's got the nice little um there's some actual melodies and stuff in there every now and then that's kind of interjected within these kind of you know droney kind of sounds um and yeah, yeah. i quite i quite I still quite enjoyed it but i think this time around yeah, it did start to grate um, by the end. But yeah, I'd be interested in actually listening to what that sounds like. Because a lot of people, I know um, uh, it's actually quite popular in terms of the soundtrack because um, I think Mondo did a release. You're probably going to come on to that later. But um, yeah, I know <laughs> actually. it's fairly popular in that sense, yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. It's kind of a bit more like ambient, and like you say, droney. Um, mm. And it doesn't have any like major kind of like memorable hooks, I don't think. Which is why, actually, later on in the film, a uh, piv- pivotal kind of scene, they do bring back the traditional Halloween theme, don't they? Just once, it kind yeah, of signals things. Things are hotting up now. Something's going to happen. Yeah, oh, I think vague, vaguely remember. Yeah, maybe there was something. Okay, cool. I think it's when he's about to kind of like the main character's about to go into hero mode. Right, stop everything. On. Yeah. Um, okay, of course, the main, like the ma- most memorable piece of music in this film, which you then can never forget again, <laughs> yeah. is the, the TV advertisement jingle that gets played about a billion times over the course of this film. Yeah. What do you mean? What do you mean this? Time kids. The clock is ticking. Get rid of that. 
I'm glad you was... had that lined up and I didn't have to sing it. <laughs> you can still sing it. Um, yeah, it was. Oh, sorry, I was about to sneeze, but I didn't. Um, it was infuriating by the end. I have to I have to say. That's the point, though, isn't it? I, I quite like that about it. You can easily believe this being a mind control mantra. It's because it doesn't sound right. Like the harmonies and the vocals and all this. Like they're trying to make it like a bit creepy and weird. Like the whole thing just sounds off. And it's the tune of um, London Bridges Falling Down as well. Um, yeah, so it's quite easily uh, memorable. Yeah, recognisable kid's song, but just distorted slightly to make it a little bit alien and creepy. Yeah, exactly. Um, so we're coming to just like main characters and cast here before we kind of get mm-hmm. into the story. Um, so we've got, like you said, our chief protagonist, Dr. Dan Chalice, played by Tom Atkins. Yeah. Uh, like you said, he maybe wasn't the hero for the ages that we've all come to deserve. Yeah. Um, what Jamie had he done Lee before? I know he's in... She was, yeah. I know he'd done Escape from New York, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know anything else he'd done or has done since. Well, he's one of those recognised... I mean, it's a very distinctive face and it's a recognisable yeah. face. He's just one yeah. of those guys where you're like... He's around. Um, let me reel off a few films. He's in The Fog. He's so regular. Like okay. you said, Escape yeah. from New York. Creep Show. Um, I don't remember him on Creep Show. Lethal Weapon, apparently. Maniac Cop. Two Evil Eyes. Um, the, even he's, been, he's acting still up till this day. Okay, good on him. So he's had a good long career, I think, in kind of like horror and thriller. Yeah. So he's, okay. I thought he, he did quite well with a not all that exciting character. Yeah. He's just not got, he was just, I don't know. Did he do that well? I thought he was quite boring. Um, but then, I t- yeah, as you said, like, I don't think it was written particularly well either. One thing I've always thought was that, on the, when I watched it first time, I thought he was married and still married and he was just cheating on his wife. That's what I thought as well. Um, they, do, but, they do establish that they're separated or divorced. I can't yeah. remember which. They do establish that, but for some reason that passed me by. So yeah. when he got down to business in his B&B, or his motel, sorry. b not in <laughs> so fucking British a B and B like someone's house. <laughs> Aunt Mildred's B and B, yeah, uh, a motel, yeah. Yeah, I was like, oh, it's bad out of order. I'm not sure I'm really feeling this guy. Yeah, well, that's why. Like when I re- when I was rewatching it, I was like, I remembered. I was like, hold on, isn't he? Oh wait, were they? Oh, I think they're separated actually. But I wasn't. I still wasn't hundred percent clear but um yeah it's quite funny i thought <laughs> i was so sure for um ages uh obviously yeah. for, for the first time i watched it that he was just cheating on his on his wife and that's our hero no um, i was fucking it. this g- girl but not not just like like she gets like dressed up for him or whatever like it becomes like a proper strange very short-lived um affair 
Well, the girl that you're talking about there is uh, the character Ellie Grimbridge, uh, mm. played by Stacey Nelkin, who's the mm. daughter of a character who's killed quite early on in the film. Yeah, it's the first becomes one you see. Basically, for her to find out what happened to her father. So yeah. she hooks up with Dr. Dan, who had treated him in his dying moments and yeah. has heard a secret. So, yeah, they've gone off. And like you say, within less than 24 hours, they're bunking up together in the motel. And he's like, oh, shall I sleep on the floor? She's like, where do you want to sleep? And he's like, well, that's a stupid exactly. question. <laughs> <laughs> Does he say that? Exactly that. Something, yeah. But, well, paraphrasing. I think that's what he said. That it could be. And then like you Brilliant. say, she's got all this like scandalous uh, nightwear, negligee and everything. Yeah, she's just brought with her. Just ready to go. Yeah, that bit again, it's like there's all these like weird bits which made sense before. And I'm watching it again, I'm just like, where's this like where is this come from? Like, apart from the fact they're like, they they need to get it on. <laughs> like he needs a love interest, there needs to be some kind of relationship going on here. Um, but you're just like, it's a it felt a bit like advantageous because the whole point is that her dad's just died. You're the doctor. <laughs> I don't really know, like, why is he even helping her anyway, really? It's just like, into, I know it's like, oh, just it's just... adventure. Exactly. It's, it's just, like, gone with the mystery. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'll leave... Yeah, don't worry about my, like, ex-wife. Or at that point, I thought actual wife and kids. <laughs> like, fuck them. I'm just going to go with this woman and just see what happened to her dad randomly. Like, the man's got a job. He's a doctor. <laughs> just fucking pissing off Stop. to do whatever. Someone's in theatre while this is all going on, waiting for their heart transplant. Just, where's Dr. Dan? Exactly. Can't get hold of him on his pager. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, it is a bit awkward and uncomfortable. And there's obviously a big age gap and there's obviously a big hotness gap as well. So it doesn't really quite wash. <laughs> yeah. like, this guy, he's got what a face like a him? tombstone. It's got a big slab of... Slab of yeah, meat actually it, with a mustache. Um, yeah. She's fairly attractive. So she is attractive. Yes. Um, the other main character is Connell Cochran, mm. performed by Dan O'Hurlihy. Um, Connell Cochran is our villain, a man of Irish descent, and a very successful businessman uh, who owns the Silver Shamrock Company. Yes. which seems to be the chief producer of Halloween novelty items across the whole of the United States of America. Mm. You'll notice that Dan O'Hurlihy is an Irish name. Yeah. So he was actually born in Ireland, this actor, but he doesn't bring his Irish accent to the uh, role, does he? No. Uh, well, that's what confused me a little bit, because there's one point where the big exposition dump and he talks about, funny enough, what we were talking about in the last episode about where it's called Sam, Samain or something like that, the um, the boogeyman, essentially, like this Celtic thing that uh, Michael Myers yeah. is based on, whatever. And that becomes the motive, basically, weirdly, um, some kind of sacrifice and bringing him back or something, I don't know, whatever it is. Um, but he's like talks about, oh, my Celtic roots and doing whatever, and I'm like, he's he's just like British isn't he like he's just got um like I don't remember thinking he has an Irish accent like whatsoever no. like it's just sound does he sound Irish to Americans then because 
it did not strike me as I, it, it might have been a very subtle, keep in, keep in mind, Dan, you know, um, where are you, where are your people from? Cause I've got my, I've got Irish roots. Yeah. And so yeah, I like to do accent. Uh, I can't actually, I don't think I can. I haven't tried. Um, but that's Irish, Irish accent. Oh, oh, Papa Jesus. <laughs> See, that, that's so right. So this is, I think, why it was quite good, actually, that he avoided hamming it up with an Irish accent because it would have been like yeah. that and it would have been awful. Yeah. I think. Yeah, I mean, I like this. It would have been weird. I like the idea that he's like a bit of a posho. Um, mm. You know, like that Southern English kind of dry um, thing. But uh, I don't remember thinking, he's fucking Irish. <laughs> or Irish. <laughs> Nye. What's that? That's more Northern Ireland, is it? No. I don't know Northern what that is. Ireland. I don't know what that is. That's Liverpudlian. Liverpudlian. Liverpool. But that's it. They all sound similar because it's depending on the oh, it, It's evolved from it's Irish. Evolved yeah, from Irish. I mean. A lot of Irish in Liverpool, isn't there? Anyway, yeah. we're getting into the British dialects, which is not yeah. on the agenda for this uh, podcast. Did you yeah, recognise Dan O'Hurley? Uh, I recognised his face, yes. I have absolutely no idea what he's from. I was wondering if he's like from a murder she wrote or something like that. Um, I, don't, I don't know. Has he been in stuff I would have seen? He did look familiar, but I've absolutely no idea why. I was going to say, I think I think all these actors probably had a stint on murder she wrote at some point. Uh, Stacey Nelkin definitely did. She, she okay. only did a few films, but she um, was on stuff like that and The A-Team and Chips and all that kind of thing. Right, yeah, um, nice. Uh, Mr. Dan O'Hurley played Andrew Packard in Twin Peaks. Oh my god! Which is quite a similar role, really, isn't it? it yeah. Which uh, one was Andrew Packard? Because I know the Packard name, because that's quite synonymous, isn't it, with Twin Peaks? Which one was Andrew Packard then? He owns the sawmill, and there's that whole story about the. Oh yes. Get the sawmill off him. And he's a bit fucking aloof and there's something villainous about him. But he's also very demure. Uh, And he plays an almost identical character as well in Robocop. Who's in Robocop? Again, I think if you think about like some of the early scenes when they're in like the boardroom. Yeah. I think he's like the big boss guy that they're all trying to impress. Oh, he's the big, big boss. Yeah. Because you've got like the, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got the, um, the well, there's no good guys, but as in you've got, um, what's his name? He's also from Twin Peaks, funny enough, isn't he? Um, who's our man who's designed Robocop. And then you've got the other one who has designed the robot big killer thing. And that's right. They're all trying to impress the big boss. Who is? Must be this guy. Which yeah, I presume they cast him because they were like, he's already done such a great job of being a horrible, like, evil corporate American CEO. Yeah. And they just done the, brought him in basically the same role. Um, so, should we get into what happens here and exactly what the hell Mr. Cochran is trying to do? Yeah, I wish someone could. That would be useful. <laughs> Let's do it. I'll try and bring some some rationale and meaning to the events that unfold over the course of this film. 
Yeah, I think we need it. Should we take a bit of a break? Let's do it. Welcome Dan, back. What happens? What happens in this film? What happens what is happens? well. The first thing that happens is, and I really liked the opening of this film. You get this kind of like static, as if a TV is being turned on. Mm. And I just thought this was great because obviously the film then goes on to be about uh, a big American corporate company trying to control uh, people, especially children through the television. Yeah. Um, so it's just a nice framing device here of like, you turn it on, you've got that creepy TV static and everything. Um, and it really made me think of uh, another later John Carpenter film, Prince of Darkness. Yes, it's true. Yeah. Where that static and those video messages coming into your brain. Yeah. Um, coming into the guy's brain. Yeah. So it did make me think, you know, this isn't directed by Carpenter. This is, as we said, Tommy Lee Wallace. But mm. I was like, I can see the fingerprints of Carpenter on this. Yeah, that's yeah, a good, that's a good um, point. Um, but essentially, the first few scenes, first sort of ten minutes, are taken up with um, a chap. He's being pursued doggedly. Um, <laughs> he manages to get to like a, a junkyard. Um, and this guy's going to kill him. He manages to like flip a switch and like a car crushes him or something. But but basically he can only get by for so long. Another one of these guys comes along, very well dressed, very methodically moving. Um, They look like weirdly like FBI agents or something. Um, That just suits very well well kept. Um, Yeah. Smart and sinister. Um, essentially he's he's wounded but manages to I think get to a shop and that guy right, yeah. brings him into the hospital mm, it's um, a petrol station isn't it yes gas station that's right mm. a gas station that we will see again later in the film mm. um, so yeah basically this guy he's babbling on when he gets in like Stop them! They're gonna, yeah. they're gonna do Kill us a win. Or like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, do us a win. Yeah. <laughs> I think the thing, the thing that really gets him agitated is he overhears seeing, he sees it on the screen, is this right. advert playing. I think we've already heard it once or twice already by this point in the film, which yeah. is the jingle well, also, that we played earlier. True, yes. And also you'll notice that there's, I think it's at this point, there's a news bulletin about a stone's gone missing in Stonehenge. Uh-huh. Um, and that comes into play later. But I remember I didn't notice that first time around, but when I said it, I was like, oh, yeah, okay, cool. I, I didn't notice that either. Okay. Yeah, I, think it's, I think it's right at the beginning. I'm pretty sure. I think that's what he's watching before the guy comes in. That's good. There's a little bit of effort to tie in that bizarre plot twist. Weird storyline, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, anyway, so he's obviously agitated about this advert. Um, eight more days to Halloween. Silver Shamrock. So Silver Shamrock mm. want all the kids to buy 
these three masks, the skull, the jack-o'-lantern, and the witch. Um, and basically, yeah, he says all this stuff. They're like, give him some morphine or, you know, that mm. kind of uh, dismissive tone that they take. Unfortunately, later that evening, one of these guys comes back. Um, yeah, he's in a hospital, him. by the way, doesn't he? You've yes. established he's been taken to the hospital. Good point, um, yes. Yes. So they come and they, they murder him in the hospital yeah. by poking their fingers the, into pretty, his eyes. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, it's such a weird way to do it. Like he's just kind of sitting there, like letting it happen almost, like oh, oh. <laughs> it just gets pushed into his eyes. Um, yeah, and that bit uh, to get to this point, I was like, God, I feel like this has gone on a bit already. <laughs> but you also like this, this is where we see our hero, right? And he's like, I remember thinking, like he's they're trying to make him like a bit of a ladies' man, like a bit of a charmer, like with the nurses and all this stuff. Thinking you, know, you won't get away with stuff like that these days. Um, talking to you know, slapping their bums and all this stuff. So like, oh, here we go. You know, can't do that. But he's uh, that uh, during that time that would have been seen as you know a bit of a charmer, a bit of a character, <laughs> a bit of a lad. Yeah. So yeah. So that is Doctor Dan. Um, he. Basically takes chase, doesn't he? Because uh, there's a nurse screaming. Yeah. Um, That's right. Yeah, he chases the guy outside, and then there's one of my favourite um, favourite bits. Go uh, on. Which is where the guy just sits, sits in the bloody um, sits in the thing, and then uh, car <laughs> in the car. Sorry, and <laughs> douses himself. With petrol, but in the most stupid way. Um, How does he do it? Himself a light. He <laughs> just he gets. He's got the petrol can. He's just like, like, but just plain face. Like, um, how should a man yes. douse himself in petrol? I don't know, but I know like he's supposed to be. There's a reason why he kind of looks so like placid as it's happening. But it just looks silly. It just looks ridiculous. Um, <laughs> No, it's, he's like as if he's not reacting to it. Like, no emotion. No emotion. Yeah, which I know is part of it, but it just looked at that point. I was just like, this just looks stupid. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it's, but it's one of those things where it's like he <laughs> douses himself, sets it off a light, he's on fire, he blows up, the car blows up, whatever, and all that takes about three seconds. So it just <laughs> it's so instantaneous. It reminds <laughs> me of, um, of Halloween two. Um, do you remember the bit where they think they see Michael Myers? No, oh, it's probably it's probably my favourite bit in that whole movie. So yeah. um, I know I know we're going back a little bit, but there's that bit in Halloween two where it's just happened, like the whole events of Halloween have just happened, and they're running around. Donald Pleasant's running around. And it's like there he is, there he is, and it's a guy who looks exactly like Michael Myers, even the same mask. And I remember thinking, <laughs> looking back on it, going, but that wasn't like, uh, was that a thing? Like, why is he dressed exactly the same as Michael Myers when this is happening the same night? Um, and anyway, like the guy like kind of sees him running towards him and like runs off, but you're presuming it's not Michael Myers because um, he looks a bit scared. And then as he's running, he basically runs into the road. He gets hit by a car that basically pins him to a van and then everything explodes. <laughs> he's wow. just this burning, he's just this burning corpse. But it all happens so quickly. It's absolutely, <laughs> if you see it on YouTube, it's 
fucking stupid. Because um, if you it's so funny, because immediately you're like, huh? Well, they need to burn. If you try to burn sure. a dead body, it actually it's bloody hard and it takes a long time. Well, it didn't in Halloween too. Um, but yeah, and that's why they're like, oh, he's all burned up. I don't know if it's my eyes. We have to go by the teeth or whatever. And then they, they, that's why they're like not as urgently trying to find him because they're thinking, oh, we've already killed him. He's dead. Yes, but it's so funny how quickly that happens. You have to check it out. But yeah, it reminds me of that, like the whole thing of like, there's that um, another Simpsons reference, but where like just things bump into each other and they just explode. Um, that kind of movie magic. Uh, it feels like that with this. Um, well, this was movie magic because it was a wonderful explosion. It was very, very exciting. It was and quite it exciting. had you on the yeah. edge of your seat because you're like, oh my God, this guy doesn't, doesn't care. But also I don't, he was, yeah. It was just, a suicide mission. Yeah, it's like, what a weird way to, I don't know, like, why bother, I suppose he's destroying the evidence, but he's not, he's not exactly been caught, he's just been, you know, he's just running away from Dr. Dan. It's not like, you know, it's a hundred people after him or something, I don't know, it's a bit weird. I think, I think Dr. Dan's involvement was inconsequential, I, I think this was this guy's mission, that's my take on it. To kill himself afterwards, but it yeah. never happens again, why would he? Why would he? Yeah. Uh, well, we'll come to that later. We'll come to that later. Keep that in the back of your mind, and I will divulge, reveal all secrets of Halloween three. Um, yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. But it's it does go, this is quite exciting because you're like, what did that guy know that they had to kill him, and it was so important yes. that this guy was would, would then go and self immolate. Um, yeah. And you're seeing this mask as well, like he's been clinging on to this mask and. Um, the guy that's dead and all this. So yes, yeah, you know, it's you know, the mask has got something to do with it. Mister Grimbridge, Harry Grimbridge, was it? Right. Was his name that poor man? Um. Anyhow, then we kind of get, I think, some scenes with Doctor Dan uh, and his family, home life for Doctor Dan. Turns up with a crap mask. Well couple of masks for his kids yeah the cheap plastic ones and they're already they're like pfft. i think one's like a princess or and one's a unicorn i can't remember <laughs> right. they're like they're like they blow off their dad they're just like we've got a witch and a skull mask thank you very much the mom got mm. us um mm. and then they sit down in front of the tv and they're watching this advert again this bloody jingle yeah um, then the next kind of major thing that happens is there's the autopsy on the uh, on the dad, and this is where we we meet uh, Ellie Grimbridge for the first time. Yeah, um, I thought she could have been a bit more emotional. Yeah, she's a bit like, oh god, oh, she's like, yeah, got oh, that. She's over it pretty quick. Yeah. <laughs> yep, that's him. Looks a bit crispier. <laughs> She does not say that. He's <laughs> definitely got, got less eyes than the last time I saw him. <laughs> that was the one thing with my dad. He had such beautiful eyes. You could really, you could really look into it. Oh, where's oh, where's his eyes? Yeah, there was two She's... things that really meant a lot to him. His eyes. <laughs> She's so blase, but um, yeah. 
I don't know. This is where basically she gets together with Dr. Dan. Dr. Dan's look like, look, you got to know before he died, he was saying all this stuff. Uh, and I think foul play is involved. Um, and that's kind of when she's like, well, something's going on and I'm going to investigate because he went off to the uh, Silver Shamrock factory to get pick yeah. up stock because it turns out he's a, like a shopkeeper or something. Yeah, that's right. I'm glad, yeah, good. You're keeping me on tabs with it because um, I must have missed the fact that he was picking up stock because I was always thinking, why the fuck was he even there in the first yeah. place? But now that makes sense. Okay, cool, great, nice, thank you. So then, yeah, like you said, Dr. Dan, just a curious man. He's got a nose for adventure. so And a nose for women. And he likes this woman, <laughs> really. So he's just going to follow her because he's got fuck all else for to do. There is a little bit of that. It's kind of like, well, your kids think yeah, you're lame. Really? It's just like, I've got yeah. nothing else to do. But that's what I mean. There's no like, it hasn't been established that he's like this. There was, there was nothing. He's just kind of upped and went. Like, what else is it going to be? He doesn't give any reasoning to like why he should probably stay and, you know, look after his kids or something. Um, you know, especially with Halloween coming up. Anyway. Off they go, like uh, we said, to the motel. Mm. Some funny little town. It's basically like an, yeah. an all-Irish community. Is it? Okay. Yeah. Everyone there... It's all very rural. Mm. Um, they're like, you know, it's like everyone, they drive into the town, everyone's looking through the, peeping yes. around the curtains at them. Um, so it's kind of a little bit eerie. But they go to the motel. They see that the father had stayed there. They see his name in the visitor book. Um, and they meet a couple of inconsequential characters. There's yeah. some quite they come horrible things later. are going to happen to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and at this point, really, it's a little bit of this is kind of just like yeah, like some some character development and dialogue and uh, chemistry between our two leads. Mm-hmm. I think the next kind of like, as we said, there's the hanky panky that goes on. But the, the really consequential thing that happens here is. Uh, one character who is a sales rep is tinkering in her bed at night with one of the masks, mm. silver shamrock masks. And she finds that in the silver shamrock badge that's kind of like on the back of all of these things, there's a little chip called microchip. Yeah, like microchip, yeah. Not like a fish and chip chip. <laughs> she, uh... I'm just going to move on from that. She, she, um, I mean, this this is what I like, right? Because this is so bizarre and it makes no sense. But that's what I like about this film. It kind of fires a blue laser into her face. Yeah. I want to, I'm, this is my main thing going on. So please explain it to me. I want to hear it. Okay. There's a chip in the badge. A microchip. On yeah. the mask. And yeah, when I she know fiddles, that. I know that. 
when she fiddles with it, she gets a blue laser into her yes. face. Yes. Next time we see her, it's pretty grisly, actually. I like this. Like, this is great. It's, like it's her, just the best looking bit. Her face has been... It's hard to say. It doesn't. It's not like it's been fried electrically. It's almost like someone's ripped her mouth apart with the like end of a hammer, and her yes. eyes. Yes, it looks really brutal and gruesome. Yeah, it's um, like they've yeah they've ripped her mouth open, so you're still seeing the teeth and all this stuff, and they've like fucked with her eyes, and yeah. she's still like alive, like moving, like ooh, and all this stuff. Yeah. She's not dead. No, exactly. It's, that is possibly one of the most horrible moments of the film. Uh, very well yeah, done, I thought. Is, yeah. yeah, for sure. And then, to make matters worse, this really gross, great big kind of cockroach type thing cockroach crawls thing, yeah. out of her mouth. Mm. Yeah, so let's, let's kind of delve into this a little bit. So the, <laughs> the chip... As we and I know we'll kind of get on to like what sets it off and all this stuff. Um, spoiler, it's the it's the commercials that are running. But so it sets off a little blue laser. Yeah. That does that does what exactly? Because <clears throat> as we see later, it kind of just lets bugs it kind of I don't know, like bugs just come out of nowhere. Well, like, let's yeah. Let's What's get it to actually that. doing? What is it? Okay. All Let's right. get to that later okay. scene. Later. And then we can have a discussion about what actually is happening here. Yeah. But let's remember that because there's a blue laser. Her face is suddenly fucked up in some weird way, which we don't understand. And a bug is crawling out of her mouth from this blue laser, which we don't really know what it did. Exactly. But yeah. Um, next major kind of plot point is in response to this. So our two heroes are bonking away next door. Yeah, I um, hear it. And they're like, what, what, what's that? Um, they're shocked says, and horrified. He says, keep, keep in mind, he says, who cares? <laughs> That's great. That was, I forgot that. Yeah, yeah, that was good. Who um, cares? To be fair, he's literally... Yeah. Uh, Insider, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, basically, they're very concerned. Um but some people turn up in an ambulance. They're taking her away. It's like, he's going, I'm a doctor. I want to know what's going on. What's going to happen with this woman? They're like, don't worry about it. We're taking her to the factory. So everyone in this town basically, you know, is obsessed with the the factory, the factory, the factory. And they're like, mm-hmm. um, but you know, she'll be looked after there. She'll get the best treatment. Uh, Mr. Cochran will see to it. And, and then the next thing we know, there he is, finally. So we see Mr. Cochran for the first time. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of sinister air about him. But he's like, yeah, she'll get the best treatment. Um, don't you worry about it. And then they overhear someone saying to him, it misfired. Yeah. There was a yeah, misfire. we should also say that, where, where does he meet the bum? Is this before or after this? Before, actually, yeah. Yeah, so he has this little conversation with the bum, and the bum's like, basically like, oh, they can, they're watching us. So there's loads of cameras just around in the town, and there's a curfew as well. Like people have to get inside by a certain time, which people have to follow. So there's a general vibe of weirdness kind of going on in this town, and the bum actually gets killed by the um, people in suits. Um, Yeah, because he's disparaging, isn't he? 
He's like, oh, he kind whatever, of says, okay. well, he says, um, they would never give me a job here. Yeah. Um, he brought and then he's kind of like, there's weird yeah. stuff going on and I'm going to take them all down. And the response is, 10 minutes later, he's dead. Yeah. Yeah, head ripped off, if I remember right. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. Again, strange uh, modus operandi. It's a bit excessive. Mm. Oh, yeah. big spurs as well. Yeah, why not? If you can rip it off. Why not have a bit of fun? Yeah, why not? Try it out. Um, I so liked sorry, all this. Me. I like all building up this creepy vibe. It's very Children of the Corn. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just liked all this. Um, Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. So I think the next kind of thing that happens is the next day, right? Um, yeah, I believe so. And they go to the factory. Mm. Um, at this point, they've met <laughs> this family who are quite good fun. They're quite memorable. They're kind of like yeah. a bit, a bit brash. You've got the basically they're like the best sales people, also like the best uh, retailer in the country yeah. for the masks. He sold the most masks out of anyone else by the country in the country, whatever. And it's kind of like a national lampoon kind of family. Um, yeah. Just the guy, know, his like, wife, and their their boy. Their boy, who's a bit like of a what? dick, to be honest. Billy, ten-year-old boy, maybe. Yeah, something like that. They all seem a bit annoying. Yeah, that's their kind of thing. They're like a bit like the comic relief in an annoying way. Yeah. They're a bit like horrible children in a, uh, in like Charlie and Chocolate Factory, where you're like, <laughs> yeah, one of those families. Yeah. You're like, they're being set up for something for a fall. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, it's very uh, Willy Wonka what we're, what's about to happen. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, this is it. So we go into the factory. Um, and there's a bit of a tour, whatnot. Um, they're trying to find out information about her dad, and they confirm that he was there and uh, took a yeah. took a case of some of, of stock. Yeah, and then they're walking around, and she sees her dad's car. Yeah, they're taking a tour. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. They're not just <laughs> walking around. Cochrane is giving them a tour and he's being all like charming and all this stuff. He's kind of answering the questions they have and all this. And the only reason they got on the tour was because the family were like, I'd like my friends to come. And he's like, oh, sure, 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 sure. Okay, okay, fine. Um, and going around. And as they're walking around, they start seeing all the 
um, people in suits, but the, it's quite cool, these shots, because they're all like just standing there in very strange positions, like not moving, or yeah. not even blinking, it looks like. There's like one just in between like two lorries or something. There's one like just a little bit in a doorway, just yeah. kind of standing there motionless or whatever. And he's like, this is weird. Um, and then, yeah, then she, um, and then he's, he's talking about the final process whatever like what's the final process like oh, we can't show you that we can't show you that you're not allowed to go in there you naughty naughty man but he's being all like he's on the charm offensive and then yeah they see the car and she's like my dad's car and he's like oh no it's, it's not it's you know stay away whatever but then yeah they've pretty much they're pretty much like it's guaranteed now that like something's up yeah and this is when you think oh they've they've overplayed their hand you're like now it's known that they know and you're like, now they're in danger. Yeah. Um, but they did Locked go back to the motel and it's kind of like, we should leave tonight. Yeah. We need to get out of here. And they're getting ready to leave. And then that's it. They strike these goons mm. come in. Um, I think they take her. They take her. That's right. Uh, they kind he of attack him. He, a he goes to try and. That's right. Yeah, he tries to call someone or something like that. And by the time he's got back, she's gone. If I remember rightly. Oh yeah, there's a little bit of a side kind of angle going on here. With um, there's someone back at the hospital who's doing analysis on the ashes oh, yeah. from the um, car explosion, and she's kind of like the whole time she's going. I think someone's covered this up because there's like plastic and metal, but there's nothing of like uh, yeah, human origin. Like there's in no there. human stuff. It's like it's all just like stuff in the car. It's all like plastic and metal and shit like that. Yeah, um, that comes into play later, weirdly. But yeah. Um. So I can't remember now really what happens. I think we're basically into like kind of the final run of the film, really, aren't we? Where yeah, the end game. They've been taken. Um. Weirdly, there's like a bit of a, a bit of a fight in the factory again between Doctor Dan and like a cyborgy man, and this is where this is where we find out what they are because he kind of kills him somehow. I think he's like kind of like forces his fist into his stomach. Yeah, something like that. I can't quite remember. Yeah, and all this like it looks like yellow bile yellow comes goo out stuff. Yeah, but it's kind of like I suppose it could be some kind of like petrol. I don't know. I don't think you're supposed to know really what it is. Yeah, just stuff. Gunk. It basically tells you that he's not human. Mm. Um, at which you point, out already. Yeah. <laughs> this is when Cochrane kind of comes out and's like, "Yes, uh, I made them all myself, and they look very human." Yeah, well, don't she they? goes. Yeah, well, there's that cool bit. So he goes into like a room and there's this old woman knitting. Oh, he's like, where, yes. is where is she? And then he like grabs her and her head basically comes off. Um, her, and her hands are still going. She see, And he sees that it's all like clockwork. And that's what I quite liked. It's like with all these things, it's like all, even though there's an element of like whether that disgusting stuff is, they've made it look like mechanical, like it's old school kind of like wind up toys or something like that. And, you, and there's one point earlier where like when they're taking him around, you know, they they mention how Cochrane, like his whole thing is like practical jokes and like he's it's like his family have done it or whatever and it's all 
Um, like it's, it's all this weird kind of like he's made his money off these weird practical jokes and products and stuff like that, which is just a bit, again, it's a bit strange. I don't really know. If, I need to have like more of a think about what relevance that really, that really has. Um, but yeah, all these things are like uh, mechanical, which are quite cool. So yeah, well, he reveals him, robots, basically. Yeah, well, he reveals himself a little bit here because he's very upset that that old woman uh, automaton yeah, right. was broken. Because it's kind of like an old, like Victorian. You see, uh, they're yeah, called like automata, a, aren't they? Yeah, when yeah. they would make these clockwork, sort of make them as realistic, humanly realistic as possible, and they're quite creepy. Um, mm. This reminded me of. Have you seen Tourist Trap? No, I don't think so. Oh, you should see that. You, I think you might quite might uh, might quite like it. It's um, yeah. I won't go into too much detail, but there are similar kind of robotic beings. It's a seventies um, slasher. Um, okay. It's a little bit. It's got a little bit of a Texas Chainsaw vibe. Okay, great. Um. But yeah, I suppose it kind of shows that he's enthusiastic about this kind of thing. Because he's got also another little collection of like old wind-up toys. And uh, so he's a guy that's kind of like, yeah, built up an obsession about about that. And that's led him to create these amazingly realistic mechanical men who basically serve his whims. Yeah. Um. So that's why I think that guy that covered himself in petrol and blew himself up, he's probably just been told, go and make sure you uh, kill this guy that escaped from the factory with our secrets. Mm. And when you've done so, just blow yourself up. Yeah, but why not just go back? That's what I'm saying. It's like, why is he suddenly like scared what? of being caught by this random guy? Uh, anyway, yeah. I don't think he's scared. I think he's been told that's his mission. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. I'm just saying, bit of a waste. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it must take a lot to make one mechanical goon. Yeah. A lot of time and effort and money. Um, but this guy at this point is kind of like, he's a megalomaniacal villain with endless financial resources. And uh, yeah. he's completely... Mad, loopy, it seems. Yeah, well, he's insane. Because he tells, like, I can't remember, where does he, no, it's, um, this is where he shows him round the final thing or whatever. Um, and then he's yeah. like, look at this. He brings him into this room, right? And that's where you see the Stonehenge thing. And yeah. this set that's cheap as fuck. What was weird is that um, I've only ever driven past Stonehenge, weirdly. I've never actually been to it. But I believe the stones are no way that big. <laughs> like they've made it. It's like, they need like a platform, like these huge, like monolithic structures. And I'm like, yeah, Stonehenge is, you know, big. It's not that big. It's not as big as they've got it here. Like that's like, maybe not in the, in the um, film, it's like a four story house or something like that. Um, <laughs> something crazy. Uh, but yeah, it's no way, it's, it's no way as big as that. Um, yeah, sorry, anyway, you, you say it, you say it. Well, before we get to that, I think he doesn't quite go through and unveil the plan yet. Oh, he puts okay, on a little demonstration. And this is yeah. probably my favourite part of the film. 
he has arranged for that unfortunate family that we met earlier to come to a meeting. They think they're going to be uh, asked about some the commercial or advertising and PR. Commercial. Yeah. yeah, we'd love to get your opinion on our new marketing. Um, so they're locked in this room, and then everyone's just watching them on these screens. They give one of these masks to the little boy. Mm. He's sitting in front of the TV and the advert plays. And this is, uh, basically, you see something's happening to him under the mask. Like, he's yeah, not having a good time. He's trying to tear it off, yeah. Yeah. And then he's kind of like, falls to the floor. And then his head starts kind of like, crumpling in. Really quite, this is quite shocking, I thought. It's quite disgusting especially because it's like a young kid. Mm. Um, and then all of these little insects start pouring out of his head. Mm. Yeah, a whole bunch of insects. And the mother's screaming and she like faints. Um, but it's still, it's still then, in the mask, so you can't really see what's going on inside. You're yeah. just seeing all this shit kind of come out, yeah? Yeah, you've just seen his head's kind of collapsing as more of this crap comes out all these Mm. insects and then bloody then snakes and a bloody whole rattlesnake yeah which I was like that's pretty awesome like visually that is cool Mm. um and then I can't remember what happens to the dad doesn't the snake kill him snake bites him um yeah basically it kills it kills them (laughs) um uh, the animals and the snakes and stuff kill him and then they're just all dead pretty Um, sick yeah, it's pretty bad. But then this is it. Like I'm, I was just like, what? Is, what does it do? Like it's so weird. It just like opens. It's like a laser. I mean, we kind of find out a bit more later, but um, that it's like I don't know. Like, is it some weird portal thing or something like that? Um, or is well, it just yeah. like it's just like manifesting evil, which are these bugs and snakes and stuff? I don't know. Well, yeah, he unveils shortly after this what the whole scheme is. So let's just talk about that and then we can theorise mm. about how it works. The, the nuts and bolts in particular. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like you say, he is of Irish descent and he seems to want to beckon in a new era. He's like, our people used to have to live with the, the real Halloween, not this fake commercial Halloween. Mm. the reality of being one with the land and dealing with the evil spirits and sprites, etc. So it's like he's a bit bitter. Yeah. Um, but he does also say, look, you know, not my fault, guys, because this is just the way it's got to be because the moon is in the such and such hemisphere. So now it's just, this is the time. This is the time for... Basically, a new era, a new dawning. And essentially, he's crazy because he just wants to bring about chaos and evil and for there to be a new order established, which is classic kind of like mad, deluded, supervillain kind of behavior. Yeah, well, he says like, yeah, he wants to get the sacrifices started again. And because like we haven't done a sacrifice in a while, we're going to just sacrifice loads of people and hopefully like all that blood... Well, basically, yeah, bring in these um, ancient Sam Hain or whatever, you know, um, 
things and that the world will go right again or something like that by these sacrifices happening. Um, yeah, it's all a bit weird. Um, but yeah, he does it with the with Stonehenge. They're chipping away at these bits of the stone and he's like, oh, there's something in it, even one particle. You put it in here and oh, it does all this stuff. Um, it's like, it's magical. It's magic, magic stone. You're like, okay, I don't know. That's just like an added element where it's like, <laughs> why do you, you need that supernatural kind of part of it? Um, and also like Stonehenge is in England. It's not, it's not an island. So, <laughs> this is, is a country. Yeah. This, this is maybe a touch too absurd. Um, Again, I kind of quite enjoyed it for being just like throwing an extra element of wild hokum into the mixer. But um, right, yeah, basically he wants to. So he wants to do all this by the the advert will transmit the signal yes to the chip that is in every yes. single mask yes, and the chip contains one particle of yeah a a slab from a stone, stone edge. edge. Yeah, and so it's great actually because you've got mysticism, the supernatural, and science all coming together beautifully in one watertight plan that cannot fail. <laughs> yeah, well, this is it, and he's saying about how, yeah, nine o'clock, get ready for the big giveaway at nine o'clock, whatever. And then, but the thing it's is, it's like nice all over the country. Yeah, there's a nice sequence here. I thought this was quite nicely done, actually. I enjoyed this. Just seeing kids all over the country and skipping about, getting ready for Halloween, including mm. Dr. Dan's children. Yes, that's right, yeah. He does try to it's call like, oh. and say, God, for God's sake, Janine, don't let yeah. them wear those masks. Yeah, and I think that's she's when like, he escapes. She's like, you're just jealous because they thought your masks were shit. Yeah, exactly. he's, like, <laughs> he's like, you don't understand. Don't wear the masks. <laughs> um, yeah, because he does escape. Yeah, and there's that little montage. But the thing is, is that these film, like these adverts, if it's saying like nine, it, like nine o'clock. The one thing about America is that it's obviously like, is it? Um, you know, they've got like Pacific Coast time, and I don't know whatever the other one is, like New York time, and all this stuff. It's not like. Is it the same hour across or are we just seeing nine o'clock? Cause that's the adverts we are seeing in this one place. A minor um, detail. Is it? No, no, but <laughs> yes, there's no, yeah, there's no escaping this. Because no escaping I didn't think until that montage. Plot hole. Yeah. Until that montage, I didn't think it was across the United States. I thought it was in whatever area we're in. Like it was a local advert. Not that this was a nationwide advertising campaign with these shitty jingles. Um, but obviously, yeah, obviously it was, but yeah, but, but before that, yeah, he gets captured and here's the evil plan and he gets given a mask and a TV set. Um, but then I thought this is stupid cause he's like on some like roller thing. And he just rolls forward and kicks the TV. And then there's like a knife or something there and he gets out. And it's yeah, like, how so- did he escape? <laughs> so, well, <laughs> so just, very easily. Just to roll back there uh, for uh, the Sorry. listeners. Yeah, he's at this point, now that the fiendish scheme's been divulged, they just literally put him on a chair, which is like a desk chair. 
with one of these things on his head. So it's kind of like, okay, he will die as well when the jingle plays. But yeah, he manages to... It's like a roller thing, isn't it? It's like what they put boxes on. Oh, right, 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 right. Anyway, it's very very poorly done. He very easily manages to free himself. He (laughs) quite quite deftly manages to throw his mask so that it covers up the CCTV camera Hmm. and then escapes through a vent. Yeah. Um, there's, uh, but what, one other thing. <laughs> one other thing whilst you're on it. I was thinking this whole time, why the, is Cochrane even bothering explaining it to this guy? Like, why even bother explaining it? Like, even, this guy's fucking no one. It's not like he's like the big hero. It's like, as far as he's concerned, he's just some guy that's just wandered in. Oh, and they show the girl, we should say. It's like, hey, you want to know if the girl was okay? Here she is. And she's like lying on a bed or something like that. Um, he's yeah. like, oh no, I've got to go find her. Um, but yeah, he gets out and then he's kind of going across and they're now trying to look for him. And that's when he's like, tell the kids to take off the mask. Um, yeah. And yeah, what happens next? Well, he rescues her, rescues the girl. And then basically, this is this is genius. They managed to get up above the computer station that looks so cheap yeah. that you said where all these guys are before working. they but before they do that before they do that mm. he sneaks in pushes some buttons on the keyboard and they're all like uh-huh. yeah and then he like it's <laughs> just a shot of him there's a shot of him like sneaking off yeah <laughs> it's like everyone like how has he got away with that it's ridiculous it's 12 guys haven't seen him it's so stupid. It's this massive room where there's nowhere to hide. He somehow manages to do that. It's quite um, a big bloke as well, isn't it? Yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's not quite a big bloke. Like, and then yeah, anyway, so then he gets the stuff. He manages to do this. Ridiculous. So he he hits the buttons and it starts playing the broadcast, but only in the factory. Just in the factory, it's playing the broadcast. Yeah, it's doing it in, on the internal monitors. Yeah, so anyone who has a mask on would be affected. Yeah. So, or anyone who comes into contact with the chip that is within the badge that goes on the mask. So then he goes up, gets a big box of these badges, and just sprinkles them down below on all of the people, the technicians. Yeah, the computer stuff. And so... These things start, as we saw earlier, misfiring. Yeah. Because the tune's going, they're firing, bam, bam, bam. Kills all the all the guys. Yeah. And most importantly, it kills that. Cochrane. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's a bit where it kind of gets Stonehenge going. Yeah, it's glowing blue. Bah, bah, bah. <laughs> yeah, and there's this weird, it's quite shit actually, the shot, but it's a weird thing of him just standing in between like this weird circle that's evolved in the Stonehenge piece. And he just, what does he do? Like explodes or something like that or disappears. It kind of turns something to stone. Weird. Or like chalk or stone? something. Yeah. can't remember now. But yeah, he dies. So Cochrane's like gone, but he's got a big smile on his face, if I remember rightly. Um, yeah. I made that up. But yeah, wow. I was just thinking, how the fuck did he know that was going to work? He doesn't he know that it's him. lasers. He's like, well Where done. Well done. I don't remember that. Um, cool. How did he know? Well, 
Well, we, we know that if the music's music playing, we know we know what that mask does, what the the badge does. Hmm. I thought it was genius. Well, we don't know what the badge does because it's all just in the mask. He doesn't know that that it's like a laser thing. Well, he knows enough. He knows enough. We know. It's, it's, so let's, knows, let's, what is, what happens to, here? Let me see if I can bring some science to this. Huh? Touch heads. He turns, oh, he knows. Yeah. It turns heads to snakes. Oh, he well, sees on the CCTV thing. He doesn't know it's lasers because all the electrical equipment is like blowing up and then they're all, they're all dead or whatever. Kill, he knew it would kill the bad guys. He knew it would kill them. If that's what I mean. It's, no, it's not been... A st- I'm just like watching it going, what the fuck is he doing? This is not the first thing I would think of. <laughs> like, <laughs> switch all the things on and then drop all the things... Like, I could just imagine it like just showering people in like pin badges and then just going, what the fuck is he doing? What, what's going on? Looking up, what's he doing? Uh, anyway. well, thankfully that didn't happen and the plan worked brilliantly. So yeah, now now we've kind of revealed everything that's going on here. How does this work? Well, you can't think too scientifically or mechanically about this. You have to think metaphysically about what's right. happening here. Because it's not just a laser. That laser is imbued with the power of Stonehenge. <laughs> yeah. Stonehenge. Um <laughs> <laughs> So what happens is, I think you're right, I think it's opening a mini, mini gateway to evil. Yeah. So then so basically, now like just thinking, bug, bugs and snakes just, come out of your head. I'm now just thinking of that, of the Spinal Tap sketch. <laughs> and that is one of my funniest, that is one of my funniest moments in film, I think. <laughs> Think ever I've ever seen is that tiny Stonehenge? Oh God! I don't think I think we had um, a Stonehenge set that was in danger of being crushed by a dwarf. <laughs> I just when that Stonehenge is just being brought down and they're looking. Oh, it's one of the funniest. That, if, if no one's seen it, in you know you're mad. Um, it's the funniest moment in any film ever. Um, and it always makes me cry with laughter. I just haven't thought about it in so long. <laughs> said that. Uh, oh, I'm just picturing it. It's so fucking funny. That is great. Oh, this is Spinal sorry. Tap, if you're not sure what we're talking about. Yeah. Um, one of the best comedy movies. Probably the, yeah. my favourite comedy movie, actually, of all time. Yeah, possibly mine. Possibly. Definitely mm. a top 10 film for me. Yeah, um, sorry, tangent. Yeah. Anyway, I think that if if David Lynch had put this in Twin Peaks, people would be like, "That's amazing." Yeah, it's because Twin Peaks has of... its own thing, though. People always say that. People <laughs> always go, "Oh, if this was David Lynch," it's like, "Yeah, but that stuff is like weird and dreamlike." And there's, you know, you, you know what you're getting. You, it kind of sets the tone from the off of what you're kind of getting into with this. <laughs> It's not trying to be like abstract or dreamlike. It's like these are things that are supposed to be set in the real world. But one thing we should say as well is that the Halloween film is in the film. So that's the big oh, fucking yeah. film that's going on Halloween. It's the Halloween film. So this is a world that exists where Halloween was a film that was released and is coming up on TV. That was um, a fun touch. 
So Mike Myers is in fact in this film. Yes, that's true. In a brief scene. On a TV set. TV commercial. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, we should mention, yeah, you know, this is I mentioned that aesthetic of the TV at the beginning. We do constantly get, obviously, more screens because we're seeing kids watching it, but we constantly get this cutaway to like the TV screens in the shop window. Yeah, exactly. It's like it's everywhere kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's it. I think that's basically kind of like how this works. It's actually well a little bit of kind of like evil portal. Yeah, they got the supernatural thing in because they were like, otherwise people could, we need to have a reason for why snakes and stuff come out. So let's make it as in like, it has, it's like an evil ray and Stonehenge and snakes are evil, so that's fine. So it just makes your head turn into evil. You become an evil head. Though I still don't understand what it's done to the, why it, with that woman, it kind of fucked her face up like that. Um, well, it misfired. Misfired, didn't it? If it still happened. So, okay. All right, fine, fine. It wasn't like a pure um, head. So that's why only one insert came out. Right. Yeah. Pure hit. Fair enough. Okay. All right. I'm I'm willing to put it to one side. It's um, weird. It's stupid, but fine. At this point, you're kind of like, great. They've sorted it all out. But uh, not really, because as they're kind of like leaving, she attacks him. Oh, my God. Yeah, well, the adverts are still going on the radio and they're like, we need to get someone, you know, we need to figure this out. The, the building's on fire down as well. Don't forget the bit, the factory's burning down as they're escaping. Oh, yeah, that um, was a bit like, I, th- I thought that was a bit much. Yeah, it's a bit much. I thought that was more implausible then, than the whole Stonehenge mask chip. Yeah. Debacle. Yeah. Because nothing yeah, as you said, really the- caused a big fire <laughs> that I could see. Stonehenge did. Um, but yeah, she attacks him, right? So is that, let me ask you, so was she like replaced whilst at the factory or was Definitely. she always? Okay, fine. That's what it was. Okay. Definitely. So I just, to, just to clarify, just to clarify, at some point when she was, before he rescued her, well, she's dead, you can imagine now, or whatever, or wherever she is, or she's in the factory burning alive. Yeah. But this robot thing took her place yeah. and assisted him with killing everyone who she was employed by. Who she exactly. Was by. That's right. Great. She did. She definitely... Makes absolute sense. <laughs> she decided to kill him when there was at the worst possible moment, at the latest possible time. Yep. I'm going to wait until he successfully kills everyone <laughs> and then I'll attack him. This crossed my mind while I was watching it. Um, and I just decided to ignore my mind <laughs> because it made Fine. no sense. Well, exactly. It did make me jump because I definitely was not expecting it because it was weird for it to happen. Um, and then, yeah. yeah, this is a bit I was saying earlier, which is like, they, he, she's like trying to scratch or crush his face or something and he crashes the car. And then she's still trying and he manages to get out, right? But then he sees that her arm is still attached to the door. And then as he's walking up, it's one of those things which is just so stupid if it actually happened in real life. She like just appears like to side of it. It's like, how could you not have seen her? <laughs> like, where was she hiding? You're in a field. Um, but yeah, whatever. And then she attacks him like that. And then he um, kind of stabs her or whatever and then uh, knocks her head off, right? 
Is that right? Yeah, and he then knocks the head kind off. Of falls, it goes off quite quickly. The, yeah, that's right. Falls to the ground and then you're kind of seeing it whir or whatever. And then he gets back in the car and he gets spooked by the hand, but then the hand suddenly goes for his throat. And now oh, he's yeah, like yeah. wrestling this like hand. He's like, ah, um, <laughs> And I was just thinking, it's not like, what are you doing? And then he throws that down. And that's when I was thinking, oh God, there can't be anything else, can it? <laughs> And then the the body, if I remember, the the body gets body. up, yeah, and starts ch- trying to have a go. He's like, ah, oh, ah, oh, <laughs> getting throttled again. <laughs> so why are you even still there? <laughs> Get away, you fucking idiot! What are you doing? <laughs> just keeps he just keeps getting throttled by things. Um, so stupid. Yeah. And then yeah, I think I think finally um, he kind of. It's, he sees it like with his final moments of life. I don't know where the fuck it is. And then uh, you see like the head like looking around or whatever, which I thought was quite cool. And the yeah. Next to it. Uh, this was, yeah, maybe this was quite well done initially. And then maybe they just uh, tried to get too much mileage out of it. It's so stupid. Um, but yeah, then he runs to the, um, to the gas shop, right? To uh, gas the shop. gas station gas station the petrol station is quite in Britain it's the same one that the uh, the, the chap Harry Grimbridge ran to at the beginning of the film and the guy's like yeah. oh this again yeah <laughs> so he must be like <laughs> doctor <laughs> like, <laughs> like what are you doing here um, yeah and then this bit he was he's calling them up right going like you got to get it off. you got to turn it off. Um, and then, yeah, the car comes up with the three kids or one kid or a bunch of kids, can't remember. And they're like watching it, but he's like screaming to, I don't care, say it's a bomb, like say it's a bomb, whatever. And I was watching that thinking, no one would ever turn it off like that quickly in order for it to get to someone at the police, to get to a station manager, to get to <laughs> all these people and for someone to flip a switch would take like hours um, not seconds, is it? Is yeah. There, but can you imagine some advertisers giving you hundreds of millions of dollars to run this uh, advert, and you're like, "Yeah, this guy is quite a convincing argument. I think we better just flip the switch and turn it off." Yeah, exactly. Um, but um, any, but again, implausibility aside, yeah, it's quite good fun. He, he's like, and like you say, it's kind of. Uh, national thing so he's literally it's not just like one person and this actually again this is why it's implausible because he like rings one person and they've turned it off and then he turn, turns the channel and then that goes off as well channel. yeah and it's, like, it's quite nice wow. the kid turning it because then you're viewing what would actually be happening with kids all over the country which is yeah they'll switch on to another channel and then they switch to another channel um, so yeah the second one you're like okay cool and then, yeah, sorry, I let you use it. Yeah, and then they switch to the third channel, and it's still gearing up now to broadcast the effort. And yeah. he's like screaming down the phone. Yeah, still one Damn. more channel on. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, <"I> turn-, <laughs> turn it off. He's like, turn, turn it off. Turn it off. There's still one more channel on. I mean, he is saying that, but I like the way that's the first thing you, <laughs> that you said. Um, like kid, like he's screaming at the kid. They're still, still got the TV on. Um, 
And that's, that's how it ends. ends. It's such a great ending. Yeah, I, I really like that ending because I was like, did he manage to do it? Didn't he? In my head, it's like the advert was still playing and loads of kids died and it was all yeah. behind you. That's what yeah. I thought. I like that it's got that dark end and it's still yeah. ambiguous. But, um, yeah, bring your end to it. Did you realise, Sam, that Jamie Lee Curtis is in this film? Um, only because... Uh, I read somewhere that she is the phone operator. Yes. Phone operator or something. Right. Yeah. So she's in this scene, I think. Oh, no, he's speaking to a guy, isn't he? Oh. She must be. Yeah, I think she would have been in the earlier ones. She's the curfew announcer as well. Oh, okay. Yeah. Go back to your homes. It is now 10 o'clock, however. Yeah. So that was nice. Nice little. Cameo. So, what do you make of all this? Obviously, it's quite a quite a muddle of ideas. One thing that comes through quite strongly, uh, a lot of people make a point about, is uh, is condemnation of corporate America. Oh yeah, and it's pretty fucking obvious. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and specifically, kind of using media to control children and make them buy crap. Mm. Well, there's that whole thing of like the scare of like subliminal messages and all this. Um, and essentially that's what advertising is. It's tapping into your subconscious to make you want to go out and buy stuff. And the fact that it's like the visuals are shit, obviously, but the catchy jingle and all this, and it's all supposed to be quite innocent when actually it's horrific in its own right. Um, yeah, consumerism, as you said, corporate America, um, and all this stuff, uh, yeah, that's all pretty. pretty Where's it pretty? Um, uh, yeah, heart on its sleeve with that, yeah, that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, I quite enjoyed it, and I was kind of thinking, like, you know, in terms of what does it, what does it mean? But I was like, I don't think it really means anything apart from that. Like, <laughs> I was thinking, how does it reflect, like, maybe what's going through with the hero? And I think that's why the hero falls a bit flat because he doesn't beginning to end, nothing changes apart from the fact that he shagged this girl. Um, <laughs> like there's nothing I was thinking, Oh, is it going to like reflect his relationship with his children or something like that? Mm. And you know, is it going to be like a personal thing at the end where he has to save, he has to, I don't know, save his kids or, you know, stop them wearing the mask or he has to go somewhere and turn off the station. So it's like, does he sacrifice the possibility of not being able to save his own kids to save all the kids? You know what I mean? Like something, yeah, yeah. would it come down to that where it's about the hero? But no, no, none of that. None yeah, of that. I think it's just, right. um, there's no arc or anything like that. Um, yeah, it lacks depth in that way. I think, I think there's a lot of really cool ideas in this film. And I think there's a lot of cool um, visuals and quirks about it. Yeah. Um, it could have just I think I think someone could take this concept and refine it, make a better script and execute it better. But uh yeah, yeah I, mean, I, like, I think there's a lot to enjoy in this film. Yeah. I mean I like the idea <clears throat> I mean it's old hat a little bit, but you know the the corporate villain, but also like, you know, it's like the ringleader at a creepy circus or something like that, like having a having a big bad that's all like charming, um and all this and like people actually love, but really he's like an evil dick inside it all. Yeah. I like that aspect of it. Um, but apart and yeah, but that's kind of it. Like he's like, 
you know, here's like Wonderium of wonders or whatever. Um, like all these like, but it's like, it doesn't really elaborate more on that. Like there's no, there's not really much of a personal connection apart from people say he likes to make toys and practical jokes. It's like, I don't get anything from that from him at all. Cause he just seems like a corporate guy. If it was like, yeah. you know, there's that little bit where he's like, oh, as you said, this is a Victorian thing, but it's like, it didn't feel like an obsession to him. And I've still no real idea why, what he's actually trying to do. Okay. He's trying to bring about this Samhain demon, but like, why is he like a, you know, it's because he says, oh, it's about, you know, as you said, like the real Halloween, there's just no real like motive. And it's everything he's done, like led up to this point. Why practical jokes? Why is he doing like, why has he done it through this way? Like, cause he looks like a pretty serious guy. So the idea is that he's, he's still this like creative mechanical genius. Who's like godlike in some ways, the way you can just make a life. Um, like it didn't explore any of that. It was just like, here's some creepy people who are made by a creepy toy maker, basically. Who's this guy? They need but to do an origins of... film for him. Films like a, yeah. an eight year old back in Ireland tinkering with some... well, well, that, well, that's what they did in the fucking Tim Burton Charlie Chocolate Factory, didn't they? Um, oh, yeah. It's a backstory. They don't have to dear. do that. Um, just more like, just have a scene or something where maybe he's by himself or he's like tinkering with one of the things or whatever and he feels like some kind of connection to him or I don't know, like anything. There just wasn't any of that. And as I said, like the hero doesn't have an arc. The heroine, like Ellie or whatever her name is, um, doesn't have an arc like, either. And she she's not, she's fucking dead basically. Doesn't even yeah. get heard of by the end of it. So... Uh-huh. Yeah, I think that's the biggest flaw is that these characters are superficial and um, we're sort of told things about them in a confusing way. But like you say, we don't really, we don't really see. No. We're not sure t- why things are happening or why these people have these motivations. So it's hard to kind of make the kid feel like they're real or that they matter. Yeah, I mean, it's that whole like deus ex machina thing or whatever of like... Yeah. Stonehenge. These things just have to happen just to tell the story. Like it doesn't make sense in its own right. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I still enjoyed like it. I still it was like, if you like you a know. confusing madcap muddle of a film, if mm. you can divorce yourself from the fact that it's a Halloween film as well. Like I said, maybe just go in thinking of it as season of the witch rather than Halloween yeah. three. Expect something yeah. a bit more low budget, a bit more wacky B movie kind of uh, vibe. Yeah, I think get some popcorn. You have a good time. Yeah, maybe. I mean, yeah, I did. I did. You know, I wasn't bored. It was just a bit stupid. I mean, like, okay. I think what I would have done. Maybe we should make a little segment, like what Sam would have done. But like, have it that it starts with her turning up in this weird town, and it's okay. just her. Forget, forget the bloke. She's the heroine. She's the main person. Have her turn up to this town. She's looking for a dad, right? And she's kind of settling into this kind of Lynch-like happy town, but it's all a bit creepy. At the head of it all is Cochrane. And then you have this weird, like, he's like a father figure also to like her, strangely. So even though she's trying to find her dad, he's becoming this kind of father figure. And she seems to like resonate. um, And like, you know, she gets pulled almost like towards him. Um, 
and you know he's he's still with his toy maker and he's like a very happy person giving out these masks and they kind of do that a little bit but you can really kind of go more like ott about it and i think having him as like not just a suit but like you know um he, he wears like a cardigan instead of like a blazer jacket or whatever like he's trying to still be like you know the good old-fashioned you know i'm still a i'm not like a corporate dick or whatever and then you can kind of lose that stereotype a little bit forget the whole stonehenge thing and just have it that these things are in the masks and they just like melt your fucking head or something wow. like that um something crazy rather than turning it into snack like you don't need that and you can still make it like horrible and weird and gory um you don't need it like bugs and supernatural stuff um and the fact is that like um he, i don't know like you find out like his he had a family and his grandkids or something like that maybe his grandson is michael myers that's gone too much that's gone too far and that's why he hates kids but um or you just do that you know he's got some kind of personal um uh, uh reason why um like halloween was maybe when his whole family got slaughtered and it was by some like um some kid being an idiot or something like that i don't know whatever that might be um and uh like you know you, you don't hear stories about like um a 12 year old uh drives his dad's car and drives it for like 40 minutes or whatever around town i have it something like that but he's killed this guy's like entire family so now he just hates children and he hates like badly behaved children more than anything so yeah and now he, that's why he's going to kill them all but she um uh, you know, she's trying to find that father figure, but he's actually like, he looks perfect, but it's actually not what she wants. Who she wants is her real dad. He might not look as perfect, but his heart is true. And that's who she kind of strange forwards. And she's like, you're nothing like my dad. And uh, she kills him and he dies or whatever. Um, but she can't stop the whole thing in time and all the children die um, across that one state rather than across America, because that's just ridiculous. Something like that. And you can still have all the creepy robots. You can have all that creepiness to it and make it a bit weird. And it becomes like this slightly, you know, like um, the prisoner, almost like, you know, this weird kind of uh, town um, and here yeah, Twin Peaksy. Still do yeah, that. And you've done all the shit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I think that sounds excellent. And I don't know why people are obsessed with remaking Halloween when someone could do a really good... Halloween 3 remake along those lines. Certainly. I will wait someone's call. Um, and I'm happy to make it. I've been a director before. <laughs> I'll do it. Hit me up. I just need, uh, how much was the budget on this? $2.5 million. I do Nothing these days. <laughs> I'll do it for two mil. Exactly. That was back then. Think about how much that would be now. I will do it for two million of today's monies and I'll make it good. John C., if you're listening, we've laid down the gauntlet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, exactly. Well, that's what we thought of Halloween 3. Mm. What are other people saying about it on the internet? Let's go to the yeah, reviews. I hate it. Mr. Op Ed gave us uh, 1 out of 10. Makes me physically ill decades later. <laughs> Jesus. I'm not a Halloween nut, as I'd never seen the previous versions. I had no preconceived notions. H3 would have to stand on its own, and fall flat it did. The movie opens with a well-done chase, murder and suicide of the killer. It's downhill from there. 
the truly revolting deaths of the people who don the masks is only matched by the truly revolting sight of puffy, middle-aged Tom Atkins and and barely 18, pretty Stacey Nelkin <laughs> getting it on. It's true. It's true. It is weird. Uh, it is weird. They are like a dad-daughter. I mean, I think they're trying to make him younger than he is. He's got two very young kids, but... Uh, great. They're not a couple. Uh, Carpenter's music is metronomically irritating throughout. Dan O'Hurlihy has fun as the campy villain, but what goes on around him is so unfun that it cancels him out. I don't know, it looked pretty fun. And that ending, please. Definitely not for children, or even young teens. Actually, why are you children watching anyway? It should be rated A. Not suitable for anyone. Oh, see what he's done there. Only for assholes. Okay. <laughs> Uh, I mean, Didn't like it, yeah. Most people are just complaining, you know, that it's not Michael Myers. Yeah. Well, good point. It's a Halloween it's film. It's, it's not yeah, Halloween that film. seems to be the main kind of thrust of the um, contemporary criticism as well. People could not get over the fact that it was such a different film. Yeah, I mean, it would make sense if you've if you're like I'm going to go watch the next Halloween. Michael Myers isn't even in it and maybe you've not seen the trailer you'd probably be like what the fuck and that'd be alright if it was good but I would I would say it's not that good it's okay I mean we've seen a lot worse um, I'm trying to look for a good one but uh, I mean wow I mean there's plenty of people who are raving like you said it's become a real cult a classic um, mm. it's really divisive so let's just say Zach Gideon, 10 out of 10. All the haters are wrong. Are people this stupid? This, are way, this is way ahead of its time. Carpenter is all over it. He created the score and definitely was coaching the director. So many morons, morons don't understand a good film. This is part of the Carpenter world. I love this film. can watch it every year and enjoy it. It's underappreciated and needs some recognition. Silver Shamrock. Um, um, yeah, I don't know. Really, I mean, I don't think the directing was that great. I mean, there's like there's that one long shot where he's explaining it all, and I'm just like, you could do more here. Like, cut away or like go to a different shot and speed this up. I don't know why this is taking so long. And he kind of lingers on shots a little longer than he needs to. Like when he's running off to get, like, to look in the book or whatever. Like that shot is like four seconds or something, which might not sound a lot, but it's like you only you only need like a second or something like that. There's just a few of these where I'm just like, just go like, why are you holding on to this shot for so long? It doesn't feel mm-hmm. snappy enough sometimes. Where it's like it could be much snappier, and that's those little seconds and half seconds here and there, which can really make it like a lot tighter. Um, I don't know. I've got a good one here. This mm-hmm. movie is good. 10 out of 10. Right. Well, yes, it departs from the Myers saga, but this film has a great. Sorry, just ridiculous. Yeah, sorry. This film has a great evil plot. People hated this because they wanted to see Michael Myers. Well, quite frankly, Idiots. 
It didn't need Michael Myers. Tom Atkins gave the film a huge boost. His performance was really awesome, and this film was really cool. <laughs> yeah, but so. it's like no one goes to see Mike Myers. <laughs> and I'm talking about not the actor, the character for his acting. It's just a fucking mask. It's like saying, like, oh, there's a fucking plank of wood in this shot. And Tom Atkins is just as good as that plank of wood. <laughs> Uh, yeah. You know how they could have comparison. You know how they could have tied this film in with the original. You know we were saying in the last episode when we were talking about Halloween. I was like, you know, is there some supernatural force that's somehow guiding Michael Myers, or somehow kind of um, facilitating his uh, spree? Mm. He's got a silver Maybe. shamrock sign in the back of the, yeah, the back of the fucking house. Is that what you were going to say? Yeah, it's like maybe this could have been the tie-in that that this is the result of one of his other attempts at some weird weird opening yeah. of a portal. Some I mean, it raising ruin, of the dead spirit. It would ruin the character of Michael Myers. And it, it would absolutely it would... ruin the entire Halloween franchise. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it would tie it in. Oh, look, no, he wasn't a deranged uh, human killer. He was actually, he was just a lackey of Stonehenge. Yeah. <laughs> uh, should we have a little tiny dip into Nerd Corner and talk about sure. some final? <laughs> so, yeah, the soundtrack, like we said, John Carpenter and Alan Howarth. Uh, did come out in 1982 with the film poster artwork on the cover, which I think is awesome. It's a lovely looking thing. Um, and I think what have we got here? Seven tracks on side A, five on side B. Okay. Later down the line, like with all the soundtracks we look at, it gets expanded because people are completist maniacs. So you end up with all kinds of manner of little incidental pieces. Um but yeah, 2012 was the first sort of reissue on Death Waltz. Um, and I really like the cover here because they've gone for something a bit more subtle, I think. They've gone for that opening image of the warped TV screen. Okay, so cool. It's quite abstract. It's just like TV bars and like a weird acidy kind of like psychedelic wash of blue and red. Nice. Um, and that was on various nice kind of colours, lots of orange and black and blood splatters and things. Um, the more recent one, Death Waltz again, put it out in 2018. And they just put it out apparently this year, uh, the same same edition, which has got this kind of cool pumpkin cover with all these bugs coming out of the pumpkin. Um, and it kind of like, it opens up like a kind of like 1950s or 1960s kind of like Halloween novelty thing like you'd see advertised in the back uh, of a comic. Yeah. Yeah, so it's got cool. that really cool retro kind of artwork. Um, and it comes with these like playing cards um, which are advertised as some kind of like mind trick card game. So it's a really nice package, looks really cool. Um, seems to go for sort of like 30 to 50 quid. Okay, I think you can still get it, if I remember rightly, or maybe not. Um, yeah, like I said, they just put one out this year. 
So originally it was 2018, that edition. Um, but yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if uh, Death Waltz still have copies maybe directly for sale. Yeah. Um, it's got a really cool thing on the, on the front. Record plus novelty, suitable for children of all ages. And it's got the Silver Shamrock logo there. Shock and amaze your friends. Spooky mind brilliant. control. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Love it. Uh, yeah, one, two, I think, like I said, it's kind of like quite a like ambient droney kind of soundtrack so it's quite cool if you're into that whole side of things stick it on in the background yeah i have a listen i haven't I haven't listened to it independently but if you like it then why not and it's on spotify as well if you're not such a big nerd anyway that is all from nerds corner and i think that's all from us for the whole episode yeah i think we've done it to death now um but yeah, thanks uh, everyone for listening. And shall I play a little uh, tune to hear us out? Please do. Goodbye, everyone. Stop the broadcast. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Oddcast Movies, Music and Gaming. If you want to get in touch with us or get a movie, album or game put on our list to discuss, then email us at oddcastoddballs at gmail.com or a newwinterpodcast at gmail.com. This is part of a New Winter Podcast Network, so head on over to anewwinter.net to check out our other shows. You can also follow us on Instagram at anewwinter, Twitter at anewwinter, and you can head on over to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash anewwinter. Thanks for listening and see you again soon. 